0: Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. Hello, friend. I'm excited about today's guest on Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. We welcome Sean Wasson. Sean and I met in seminary some... Oh my, this is making me feel old. Not quite, but almost... Well, right at 30 years ago, in fact, we worked the same part-time job, worked at the bus yard, and then uh, we also saw each other around campus some um, and developed a friendship. Sean is originally from St. Louis, Missouri, and he is a fellow St. Louis Cardinals fan and St. Louis Blues fan, so he's got that going for him, but that's not why we're having him on the broadcast. We're on having him on the podcast here to share his personal testimony, and then he'll come back uh, for another episode to share... Uh, one of the ways God's using him in ministry today. So, Sean, welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So just to give our listeners a little more background information about you in terms of what you do, Sean is a pastor in southeast Missouri, Cape Girardeau to be specific. Cape Girardeau is known for being the home of southeastern Missouri State University. SEMO is what they call it, if you're from that area. Sean has been pastor at Bethany Baptist Church in Cape Girardeau for 18 years now. He's also married to Sarah, and they have a daughter, Annalise. Sean, we're thrilled to have you on the podcast, and we would like to hear your personal testimony. So why don't we just start at the beginning? You were born and raised in St. Louis, is that correct?
1: That is correct. I grew up the only son of a a single-parent household. My mother reared me with the help of her mother and father, my grandparents, and uh, they were very instrumental in my life. And as I was uh, growing up, I was kind of in and out of church. My mom was a believer, but had been kind of away from church attendance, regular church attendance. And so she would take me to Sunday school at times and vacation Bible school and things like that. But we're very inconsistent. We're kind of those people that would show up at Christmas and Easter and felt like we had a connection to a Southern Baptist church in the area. But weren't really regular in our attendance. When I was 11 years old, I was sitting in church with my grandfather, I always call him, my grandpa, my grandma, and my mom, and the preacher was preaching about the crucifixion and talking about all the suffering that Jesus endured on the cross for us. And I'd been taught all my life about Jesus, loves me, and that kind of thing. I always felt positive about Jesus. And when I heard the crucifixion described, I just lost it, I just started crying. And my grandmother asked if I wanted to go forward. And I did not know what it meant to go forward. And I would have, you know, but my mother intervened. And she said, you need to understand what you're doing. So why don't you wait until you know what it means? And I'm so thankful she said that, because so many people um, go through life having walked an aisle and and, uh, followed in church membership, but not really understanding what it is to be saved. And so we started going to church more regularly after that, and I was really seeking what it meant to be saved. And, of course, this was, believe it or not, 1978. <laughs> and so uh, all the way until Easter of 1979, I would pay very close attention when I'd hear the phrase born again, and that was a very popular phrase back then. And and so I tried to really discern what that was really all about. Thankfully, I had a Sunday school teacher Mr. Bill Pinnell, who taught fifth and sixth grade boys at my church there in St. Louis, and he would always tell us about the gospel and about eternity, and and uh, use some illustrations and things to get us really thinking about that commitment. And he would tell us that we were old enough to know the difference between right and wrong. We need to make a commitment to Jesus, and and so he would share the gospel every week. So I was not, you know, not opposed. I just figured it was something good to do that good people do at some point in their life off in the future, didn't really sense any urgency or anything like that. And the week before Easter, I was watching on television one of those series about the life of Jesus. And it was a Thursday night. Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus. He said, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, John three three. And at that moment, I realized that trusting in Christ, being saved, is not something I should do to be a good person down the road. It's a matter of heaven and hell. And if I don't, I'm going to hell. And I realized at that moment, I never trusted in Christ. I never asked Him to forgive me or save me. And I was going to go to hell if I didn't. And I felt, I was, I was 12, and I felt kind of silly that I didn't understand it yet. and Just now, figuring it out, why have I waited so long? And and So I was by myself in the living room watching the television, and I prayed right there. I said, Lord, I I'm sorry for my sin. I even started to think about all the things I had done wrong, you know at that point in my life, not returning my neighbor's toy, you know that kind of stuff, and so I asked Jesus to forgive me and to to and I gave my life to him I didn't really know a lot of theology. I just gave my life to him, I repented of my sin, and gave my life to him, and I believed that he saved me and so I got up and I went to my mom's bedroom door I knocked on her door, and I told her what had happened, and she explained that that next Sunday we needed to go I needed to go forward in church and following believers' baptism, so we did that. We had a Sunday night service that Easter Sunday, and I came back that night for baptism. At the time, I didn't really understand the whole doctrine of what baptism was. I you know, kind of thought I was being washed. <laughs> but uh, I never doubted my salvation after that. I knew that I had trust in Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And then, thankfully, I got involved in church and got discipled, grew in my faith. Go ahead and interrupt me if there's any questions you
0: have. Well, I'm not going to interrupt you, but since you've offered that, I do have a question for you. Part question, part observation. I noticed you made reference to, you started thinking about sins you had committed on that day in which you prayed to receive Christ when you are by yourself in your room there. And you made reference to toys you hadn't returned and something like that. You know, it's interesting. When we talk about childhood conversion, when we talk about people who come to faith in Christ as children, Oftentimes they don't have this big dramatic testimony where they did all these horrible big sins and things. But I, I do want to just point out that the same heart that says, you know, I'm not going to return that toy because I like it. I'm going to keep it, which is really stealing, right? Mm-hmm, yes, yeah. it's, it's the same heart that grows up as an adult to say, now I'm not going to report this income to the government to pay my taxes. <laughs> it's the same heart that is tempted by, what what's the phrase, um, when you're working for a company and, and you... Embezzlement. embezzlement. Yeah, you embezzle funds from yeah. your company. It's the heart. And, and that's what Jesus pointed out in the Sermon on the Mount. It's not so much the act, it's the heart. And a, a child might do something that's small in our eyes, but it's the same sinful heart that needs to be saved as the adult that maybe does uh, these sins at a greater level, or even adults that do what they consider minor sins. It's a heart issue.
1: That's right. I'm so thankful that people took the time to point me to Jesus and to tell me of my need for a Savior, because had I not had that influence or that witness, I would not probably have understood, even when I saw Jesus give that explanation to Nicodemus, I would not have seen myself in need of a Savior if if people didn't tell me, hey, you know, you need to make this commitment at some point in your life. You need to decide what you're going to do about Jesus and Christianity and, and faith. And, and like I said, you know, when, when the light went on, I was wondering what took me so long and here I was 12 mm-hmm. years old. Some people are much older than in, that in life. And, sure. and, uh, part, part of becoming a, a believer in Jesus is admitting that what you were doing before wasn't enough. And that's hard for people, especially if they have a, a works background or, or maybe, you know, they, I've heard people tell me, you know, they've got this kind of a deal or an understanding worked out with God. But God makes it so simple that a child can understand and just say, you know, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me, and I'm willing to confess my sin and confess him as my Savior and Lord. We always talk about that in church, the the ABC, Admit, Believe, and Confess. And it really is that simple.
0: Admit, believe, and confess. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave. Confess him as Lord.
1: That's right. That's exactly right.
0: So I love the fact that a dramatic presentation of Jesus Christ on the screen, quoting scripture, specifically John chapter 3, verse 3, which is funny, while ago when you were quoting it, I was already turning to it because you've mentioned a few times born again, and so I would turned to John 3, 3, Jesus, where he says to Nicodemus, verily, verily, truly, truly is more modern translations, verily, verily, I say unto you, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's funny how we sometimes qualify what kind of Christian a person is because the word Christian has become rather diluted, and there's so many people that claim the word Christian that we talk about people who are born-again Christians as if there's christians who are not born again. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, why do we qualify that that again because the the word has become diluted unfortunately. but to become right. a christian is what jesus is saying here. you must be born again. you cannot be born a christian. that's why we share these testimonies is because no one's born a christian. you you have to be born again. the first time you were born you weren't born into the kingdom of God. You were born into this natural world with a sinful nature, the Bible says, and you became a, a, a sinner by choice, and you were already born a, sin, a sinner by nature, so you're a sinner by nature and by choice, and you need a Savior. Correct. So you have to be born again, be born from above. Your spirit has to be birthed because your spirit is dead. And so this is why we give these testimonies is to help share with people if they don't already know there's a Savior named Jesus, and we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he provides a way of salvation. And as Sean has just shared here in his testimony, there, there comes a point in time where you have to recognize that you need to be saved and recognize that Christ is God's appointed means for salvation. A lot of people complain about Christians being exclusive in our mindset, you know, saying Jesus is the only way. Well, that's narrow-minded you know, to say there's only one way. And, and to which I always respond, hey, let's be thankful that there is a way. And his name is Jesus. So, Sean, would you take pick up from there and go ahead? And uh, you know, here I am being a pastor. I'm starting to preach. But would you kind of pick up where I left off? And if someone's listening to this and wants to know what do I do next, how do I become a Christian? What would you say to them?
1: Well, that's awesome. Well, I think first of all we need to you know understand that God loves us very much. John three sixteen says mm-hmm. that He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's not God's desire that that people go to hell. It's his desire that they would understand that Jesus came to save them from their sin. And so, you know, all sin is punished ultimately, and Jesus is the one who stands in the way and takes our sin on himself and pays the punishment for that so that we can be clean in God's eyes and able to enter into heaven. I was told as as a young child that that sin can't enter heaven because heaven is a holy place and God is there and his angels and all those who have believed in him. And so heaven is a place where there is no sin. So we have to do something about our sin to get to heaven. And in many world religions, they try to uh, take care of their sin problem themselves by living a good life or hope, hoping that their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds. But what the Bible teaches is is that there's a substitute. Who took our sin and gave us his righteousness, and that's Jesus. And so, by putting our faith on Jesus, see, when Jesus died on the cross, that was not just because of what the Romans did or the, or the Jewish leaders betraying him. He died on purpose. He came to give his life as a sacrificial lamb of God. And in the Old Testament, they had sacrifices. They'd shed the blood of an animal, and that would make atonement or make them right with God. They would put the penalty of the sin on the animal, and then the animal's blood would be spilt. And so, Sin leads to death, the animal dies in their place, and then they would be forgiven by God. It's kind of, a, kind of a weird concept for us today, but it's just kind of like, basically, if you've ever done or said something and you just really regretted it and you wish you wouldn't have done it, it's kind of like God erases it and gives you a clean record and says, I don't see that past sin any longer because of the blood of Jesus. You are forgiven. It is clean. It is gone. And you can enter into heaven. Not because you're a good person, but because Jesus was perfect. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Would I add you. to that, Brett? Uh, yeah, I would, I would maybe uh, for some might need a little more clarity on it. It's not like God mm-hmm. just says, you know, I'm just going to erase it and forget about it. That's just, I'm just good about that. Um, he, he still, there's a part of God's nature. He has to, this is where the, the the judgment to Jesus comes. The He pours his wrath out on Jesus instead of on us. His wrath has to be That's- satisfied and so for order for him to forgive us yeah he has to pour out his wrath somewhere and it deserves to be on us but god made him that is jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god that's second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 so yeah it's a substitution and you did a great job you know laying that out i would also add that in the old testament as you described when they were making those sacrifices We know now, because we're living in the light of the New Covenant, we have the full revelation of the New Testament, that those animal sacrifices were not really providing sufficient atonement for their sins. It was giving them a picture of the one true sacrifice who takes away all the sin of the world, past, present, and future. So even in the Old Testament, when they were sacrificing those animals and trusting to God and believing that God would forgive them of their sins, those sins were being paid for in the future by Jesus on the cross as well.
1: Right. I think that's a great point, Brett. that. No sin goes unpunished. It's not like God just sweeps it under the rug and looks the other way. Jesus is punished instead of us. That's right. what he did when he substituted himself for us. He took our punishment. And, and that's hard for maybe many people to understand. When I think about the cross, and even as an 11-year-old weeping over Jesus' physical suffering, what I didn't understand at the time was what you said. He who knew no sin. He came sin for us. In other words, every filthy, horrible thing we ever did, he took it on himself, and he felt that pain and that, that weight and, and just the burden of that sin. Hmm. So it wasn't just the physical torment that he went through on the cross, but uh, taking on that that sin, uh, I can't imagine what, what he really did for us, the extent of his sacrifice. I'll never fully understand it, this side of heaven
0: amen sean thanks for coming on the broadcast uh i should say the podcast and sharing your testimony yeah. i want to invite you to come back next week and tell us some more about what god's doing in your life today and how god is using you in a very specific ministry so sean thanks again and look forward to thank talking thank you, to Brad, you again. i appreciate it all right god bless yes, sir. thanks for listening to this episode of sound of truth if you enjoyed it please rate and review it also tell your friends about it thanks music is by canon and is used by permission Sound of Truth Podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amirani, 2022.